0: So um, if if you haven't like sussed it out yet, if you're you're still like dragging this morning because your coffee hasn't hit, the caffeine hasn't really just taken over, um, you're still a little cloudy, (laughs) today's topic, I'm going to be talking about what I wish I knew about heaven. Because friends, growing up, I was convinced that heaven was like our, our end game plan our escape route. I remember uh, being eight or nine years old, and I knew I knew that I uh, I trusted Jesus, and uh, I knew that Jesus, family, and the church—it meant a lot to me. I also knew that I was really scared to say that in front of people, <laughs> and so I hadn't. Right? And, and good old Baptist tradition, I hadn't walked down the aisle. I hadn't made my profession of faith in front of the church. I had not been baptized. Because I kept thinking to myself, it's okay. I got plenty of time, right? I'll wait till I get older, a little bit more confident, then I'll go. But Tom and Jerry, friends, Tom and Jerry did me in emotionally as a child, okay? I watched the episode where Tom finally reaches the end of his limit, trying to chase down Jerry that little bugaboo and he just, he, he gets an anvil dropped on his head and he's dead. See his little spirit come out of his body. And for a moment he gets excited because he gets to these escalators and there's one going up and there's like this party happening up there in heaven and you can see the joy fill his face. He's like, this isn't bad. I don't have to catch Jerry. Things are gonna be great. And then we learn that Tom's not going to heaven. He's going on the down escalator straight to hell. And by golly, if that didn't just scare me right down the aisle and in front of the church, thinking, I could die at any time. Oh my goodness. I need to have my plan set. That's the picture that was given to me as a child. That heaven is primarily a place we go after we die, And it's a place that's separate from this earth that gets us out of all the troubles and the worries and the brokenness here into God's presence. And I don't know about you, but I I don't think this is just uh, a a sort of imagination that I have. It seems to be baked into a lot of Christian culture in our country uh, in this day and age. In the modern world, it feels like we've let We've let our Christian hope gravitate away from scripture's vision and toward our culture's way of doing things. I mean, in so many ways, the, the Tom and Jerry moment and motif, I mean, that's a hope that centers on and focuses on an individual. What's gonna happen to me or to you or to you when you die? you make a choice, pull yourself up, right? Put your faith in Jesus or don't and roll the dice and maybe end up in a bubbling cauldron with a bulldog standing over you like Tom did. That's a very individualist picture, right? Heaven, our faith, it's all about what you choose to do. It's not a very communal picture. And Scripture, friends, from beginning to end, is all about the community and the people of God and what that means in restoring right relationships. We've we've reshaped our hope around the salvation of each individual person, around this kind of, i got to get out there and tell people so they can know. We've missed the calling and the truth that God's salvation is, heaven, this hope, it's about all creation. It's communal. It's rooted in creation, not just in us as individuals. We've allowed ourselves to imagine that it's some sort of spiritual like bon voyage, vacation, an escape route that we get to, that our spirits dwell in and we can fly and we can not have to dry off after we bathe because spirits are great in that way. That's, I just wanna note, that, that's, a, that's a high priority anxiety for some of your kids, okay? <laughs> like the time it takes. I really resonate with that, but I just wanna note. That's, that's, that's pretty great. We, we picture it though as this, as this spiritual escape, you know, mansions and streets of gold and oh, it'll be great. We'll get out of here, we'll get out of this life. We just have to endure so that we can be rewarded. But the scriptural story, God's full and and deep and dense vision of our hope, it's, it's a hope that's rooted in a reunited heaven and earth. And God's space and humanity's space fully meeting and overlapping and being present with each other. It's about renewed creation not about getting rid of the failed project of the created order. And maybe you don't have this problem that I had as a child and as a teenager and as a young adult. Maybe you've got your hopes centered in the right way and in the right places, but a lot of our music also points towards, creates the space for, Picturing heaven as an escape route, a getting out of all the terrible things that are going on here, or maybe a getting out of hell. I think of these old hymns that I used to sing growing up, and I don't know, maybe out here in the Midwest, you don't sing hymns like, When We All Get to Heaven. What a day and a glory that will be. Yeah, Kitty's laughing because Tennessee. (laughs) What a day and a glory that will be. Or... um. Back in the day, friends, just hold on, because you're, you're going to have no clue what I'm talking about over here in this little sector. The Gaithers? Oh, they used to sing some great stuff. This world is not my home. I'm just a- passing through. It's cr- it just gets worse from there. It, it gets wild. <laughs> this has shaped our culture in so many ways, though. And it still pops up in our songs. I mean, I think of like Bethel Music, Homecoming, I can see it now, smiling in heaven, you and I, standing on the shores of heaven, you and I and our families. Our highlands worship, and heaven is my hope. My eyes are on you, Lord, and I will take heart, because you've overcome this world, and I know heaven is my true home. You can even... Right? If you're in the wrong mindset, listen to the song we just sang. Bill Wickham's Hymn of Heaven. You can miss that he talks about a returning Lord and a Savior who restores. You can just float right on off to that spiritual escape with the first few lines. How I long to breathe the air of heaven where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets. We've We've in so many ways and shapes and forms bent our Christian hope out of place. We, we use it as a drive to get through the hard things in life right here, right now. We imagine that, that distant, spiritual, heavenly home in the midst of God's presence where we can fly and not have to dry off after we bathe or go swimming. And that's what carries us forward in so many ways. But heaven's not about escaping, friends. And I want to look at just two short passages in Scripture that help, can help reroute our hope in God's vision and in Jesus' vision of, of where we, what we should be looking towards and how that should shape our lives and our actions and our choices right here. And right now, the Psalms are a place I turn often when I want to hear about hope in Scripture. And Psalm 96 is this poem or prayer or both that picture God's kingship and God's just reign and what that's going to look like when it's fully fleshed out and present in creation. The psalmist says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all of you, earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, speak of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory to all the peoples, his marvelous works among all the nations, because great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He should be revered and loved above all gods. For the gods of the peoples, of us, right there, idols. But our Lord God made the heavens. Honor and majesty go before him, strength and beauty shape his sanctuary. And so give to the Lord, O families of all the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering, come into his presence. Worship the Lord in splendor. Tremble before him, O you earth. Speak among the peoples, the Lord is king. The world, the world is firmly established. It shall never be moved because God, God will judge all the peoples with equity. So let the heavens be glad. Let the earth creation rejoice. Let the sea and all that fills it roar out. Let the fields exult and everything in them. Let all of the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let them sing before the Lord because he's coming. He's coming to set the earth to rights. He's coming to judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. The poetic promises of the Old Testament like this, the promises that shape the prophets, the promises that shape the light and the reality and the beauty of Jesus' ministry among us, the, the promises of a savior king who returns that we get in the New Testament. They're all all pictures and promises, not of like a, a firefighter God who comes in and grabs us from the burning creation and pulls us up into heaven. They're pictures of this, of a creator, of a king who comes and who sets things to right, who judges the earth. Those are synonyms for scripture. God shows up and judges with equity and truth and sets things back to right relationships. Paul in the New Testament, when he faces a church, the, third, the church in Thessaloniki, when he, he sees them and he sees them struggling with their hope, they're worried, they're concerned. Things seem really, really terrible in the world around them. And they're not really sure about where they should root themselves or their vision for the future. Paul writes to them and extends just this sort of vision that the psalmist paints with Psalm 96, verse 13. Rejoice before the Lord, for he is coming. He's coming to set the earth to rights. Paul picks this up in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and there he says to a a church in need of a solid hope, don't be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have already died. Don't grieve as, as others who have no real hope, because we believed We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died and gone before us. This I declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, the ones left until the coming of the Lord, we won't go before those who have died. The Lord God himself, with a cry of command, with the angels' call, with the sound of God's trumpet, he will come down from heaven. And the dead in Jesus will ride first. Then we who are alive, we who are left, we will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord, our creator, in the air. And we will be with the Lord, our God, forever. So let me tell you this. Encourage each other with these words. When you really dig down into it, the biblical vision is pretty darn clear. Our Christian hope, a hope rooted in a creator and a king who loves us, it involves all of creation the entirety of the heavens and the earth and everything that inhabits them, not just you and not just me as individuals. And as Paul points out, the return of our king, it it doesn't bring with it the destruction of this earth and, and a getting out of here to heaven. The return of our king and creator brings with it the renewal, and the restoration, and the healing of all creation. The release of creation from its bondage to our brokenness, to our sin, God's return. is a moment of the reuniting of heaven and earth, and and the bringing together as all things were created to be. And those things include us. In Psalm 96, friends, it's not just the psalmist who cries out with praise. It's all creation. All the nations will say the Lord is king. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea cry out and everything that fills it up. All creation rejoices to see the day of our hope and expectation. Though you could sing the hymn of heaven with a completely misguided Christian hope. Phil Wickham's got it right. Our hope isn't in us leaving. It's in our God and King Jesus returning. Paul in Thessalonians, he worked so hard to reground the church there in this Christian hope. He speaks to them of of our God, of Jesus returning, our bodies being renewed and restored to reign together with him here on earth and his creation forever. Paul pictures a future in which we will all be fully and eternally reunited with our creator. No longer separated by the sin and the selfishness and the brokenness that drove us apart from God, In Genesis 3, Paul says instead, our God will return and heal us and heal the world so that we might dwell with him in the midst of creation again, as he intended. I chose the passage in Thessalonians on purpose because it's where a lot of our... uh, the the tracks begin to break down, a lot of our hope goes off on a weird turn. Because as Paul's trying to ground the church there in in this true hope of God coming back. He talks about our, our king's return with this Greek word, parousia. God's coming, Jesus is coming. This is that passage we get our word and our idea of rapture from. As he speaks to the church about how they will all be caught up together with all creation, the dead and those who still live with God as he returns. Now, again, in the modern era, the last couple hundred years at least, we've really bent this imagery out of shape. Any of you ever read or seen or heard about the Left Behind series? Yeah, it's pretty great stuff. If you haven't, okay, so there's like this whole movie series and I can like picture the the seven box VHS tapes that my grandma had on her shelf. But Hollywood, never gonna let a thing die, they have recently resurrected this series with what's his name? Yes, Nicolas Cage, the guy who's apparently has the most breadth and depth of an actor I've ever seen. It's kind of wild. That's a movie worth watching. You want to see a man keep the most even keel while all the worth falls apart, all the earth falls apart around him? Go watch Nicolas Cage and Left Behind on Netflix, friends. But the whole, the whole idea, right? The whole driving point, the hook of the Left Behind series of Tim LaHaye's imagination as he reads scripture is one day God's true followers will be pulled up out of creation they will be raptured grabbed and pulled up into the skies to join the lord their god as the rest of the earth is left to like burn and suffer and be punished this is quite entertaining from a movie perspective because when you watch people in a plane sitting beside their loved ones whose clothes are just there, and they're like, what has happened? Is my husband running around naked? And then everybody's gone. it has got got a good comedic factor. But it's really terrible theology. It's a vision that's extremely off-kilter with Paul's vision here in Thessalonians. Because Paul, when he says we will be caught up, we will join our God, our returning Lord, he's just said, in the skies as he comes to set the world to rights. Paul's not imagining here all of Jesus' followers disappearing from the earth. Paul is picturing Jesus with this imagery of Roman royalty. This word, parousia, it was used all the time in Rome to speak of the returning emperor. The emperor would would go off to war, right? Hopefully win his battles and come home victorious. And at his parousia, at his coming, all of the people would stream forth from the city to welcome him. You, don't, you didn't wait for the emperor to make it to where you were. You ran out to meet him, to sing his praise, to show and demonstrate your submission, your loyalty, your love, your joy that he'd arrived. As the emperor would go around and visit different cities, his coming would drive people from the city gates to go out and meet him and bring him in with celebration. And Paul says, that's just a tiny and a dim picture of the beauty and the joy and the rejoicing that will be when we go out to join the true creator and the true king of all creation as he comes to set creation right. We'll be snatched up into the air, Paul says, to meet our king and to join him, to walk back into his domain, into his creation as he returns to restore things. So I'll leave you with this. Like any good pastor, I'm going to give you three points. Because apparently, sometime long ago, we decided that three was the magic number. The Trinity, that's why. I'll give you three points, three C's, because a good pastor gives you a three-point sermon. A great pastor somehow makes it really corny with something like three C's. Our, our Christian hope, our shared hope as God's people. It's a hope not in an escape from this place, but in heaven and earth reunited. It's a creation-focused hope, not an escapist hope. It's your first seed. Our hope, it's not an individual hope. It's not about you, Anna, or you, Camille, or you, been alone. It's a communal hope. It's a hope that involves all the nations, all the peoples, all of God's followers. And I had to work hard for this one, friends, but our Christian hope isn't a disembodied spiritual only hope. It's a resurrection hope. It's an embodied corporeal hope. Told you I had to work for it, didn't I? It's creation-centered, it's community-centered, and it's bodily. It's corporeally centered. I don't even know if that's a word, but I make them up up here all the time for chapel, so don't worry. I started with the psalmists, and I will end with the psalmists because our hope, it's it's the, it's the goal, it's the movement, it's the endpoint of our scriptural story. And it's a hope that shouldn't just buoy us up in hard times. Close. It's a hope that should drive us to, to act in an active and engaged way, to, to live out works of love right here and right now that move us towards God's vision of a redeemed and healed creation. Our hope, the psalmist really fleshes out, generates joy. It should, it should create a mission before us, just as the psalmist pictures. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous saving works among the peoples. Speak out among all of the nations, the Lord, our God is king. The world is firmly grounded and established. Creation isn't going anywhere. It shall never be moved because God will set the peoples to rights with equity and justice our hope, friends, it creates new life within us. And it should drive us to proclaim to the world who Jesus is and what his love is working out. Let's pray, friends. Oh, Jesus, we come before you this morning as your people, some of us with, with joy and thanks at the beauty of your creation. Some of us, God, with heavy hearts. With the burdens of stress and anxiety, with the, with the weights of sickness and death and pain pulling us down, God. And together, as your family, as your body, as your community this morning, Lord. We pray that you'll pour your spirit out upon us. We pray that you will set and cast our vision together towards your true and beautiful hope. God, sometimes we need your truth and your hope the promise of your full salvation, God, just to get through the day, just to breathe and carry the weights that life has set upon us. And Sometimes, God, we need your hope, our shared hope, to drive and push and energize our actions in the world, God, the sorts of actions that we wouldn't take without an end goal in sight. God, this morning, unite our hearts and our minds together as your people. Plant within us, within our spirits, God, your vision, your hope. Let us be along with the children who stood together in this sanctuary this morning, God, partners in this work of recreation with you. Let us be a people who makes your kingdom real right here on earth, as it is in heaven, rather than a people waiting to get out. In your son's name, we pray this morning, God. Amen. Thank you, friends.
1: Well, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up, and uh, as we do that, uh, we're going to sing a couple more songs together to close out our worship this morning. Uh, but at this time, we are going to be uh, passing the offering baskets, uh, and uh, your offering makes uh, the work of Fusion possible. So we are incredibly grateful for all the ways that you give, whether you give uh, financially, whether you give with your time or your talents. However it is uh, that you help uh, make this work happen, that is making the kingdom of heaven happen in mitchell in this community in this church and so we thank you for your gifts uh, and for your offering Uh, for this next song we're going to invite you to use this as a time of reflection so we invite you to remain seated and use this time for prayer and reflection as the baskets are being passed and then together in just a moment we'll stand and sing our final song one two three four one two three four